This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Art Wiederman. I am a director in the dental division of Ide Bailey. We joined Ide Bailey in uh, the summer of 2020. Very, very glad that I did. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes uh, of our podcast, um, you're going to meet some of my friends, not only in the dental profession, but some of my brand new friends that I've made here at Ide Bailey. And you're going to meet two of them today. And we're going to basically... Uh, and and this podcast you want to listen to. There may be some other podcasts that I've done. It's like, you know, Art, really? I've heard this 77,000 times. It's good information, but eh, I don't know. This one you haven't heard, and this one you want to listen to from beginning to end because I am going to save you money, money from the IRS. We are going to drive the federal deficit higher than it's ever been, folks. That's what we're going to do here. And what we're talking about today is we're talking about something called the Research and Development Income Tax Credit. And this is a tax credit. It's been in the law for many years. Um, But recently, there were some changes in the law that made it very, very attractive and available to be used by dentists. And my two guests today are uh, my team members from Ide Bailey, uh, Joe Stoddart and Heidi Lennon, and I'm going to bring them on in a minute, and they're going to tell you everything you want to know about the research and development credit and how you can take advantage possibly of this credit. And if you're eligible for this credit, which many dentists are, uh, some are not, but many are, uh, it's going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars in federal and possibly state taxes. So we'll get to Joe and Heidi in a moment. Let me give you some information. If you want to get a hold of me in my office in, um, well, used to be Tustin, but I'm working out of my home in South Orange County, uh, California in Laguna Beach. Uh, my number is 657-279-3243. We've spoken to hundreds of folks all over the country and uh, keep them coming. Keep the calls coming. We want to help you. Uh, get through the pandemic and uh, get back to profitability. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or anything for me uh, personally, send me an email at artwiederman at gmail.com. Uh, go to our partner, Decisions in Dentistry. Um, we partnered with Decisions in Dentistry uh, about a year ago. Uh, the best clinical magazine in the dental profession 
uh, hands down. Uh, fantastic content, great articles, updates, uh, a uh, you know great continuing ed- education courses uh, that that they offer. They're very very you know they're going to help you get to where you want to be, and that's www. Uh, decisionsindentistry.com. Click the box and we'll get you a complimentary 30-minute consultation with a dental CPA and our ADCPA group. Um, go on to our website, which is www.idbailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And uh, we have a whole section on uh, dental. Uh, all the podcasts are there if you want to listen to them as they are on the Decisions uh, website. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the country, uh, www.adcpa.org. We are the Southern California member of this fantastic organization, 24 CPA firms that represent about almost 10,000 dentists now. So uh, today we're talking about the Research and Development Tax Credit. And uh, this is a credit that you would take on your personal income tax return. You could actually take it on a partnership return. It can flow through to a uh, to your personal. You can take it on an S corporation return. And, and and this is a tax credit. And let me just explain before I bring Heidi and Joe on the difference between a tax credit and a tax deduction. You know, we all like tax deductions. You know, we want to write off 180% of our car. Uh, that's a tax deduction. And if I write off a uh, I get a $10,000 write-off for my car. Maybe I get a $3,000 tax savings. In the in this credit we're going to talk about today, it's a dollar-for-dollar tax savings. Now, there are some adjustments that have to be made, which we'll get into. But if I get a $10,000 credit, I save $10,000 in taxes. So this is something that is very appropriate for all of you. And the purpose of this podcast is to let you know how it works. So Heidi and Joe, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Hello there. Hi there. How are you doing, guys? Good, good. Good, good. So um, first thing I want to do is, is um, you know, introduce you to the audience and let you know, uh, again, Heidi is a senior manager with Ide Bailey, and Joe is a partner, and they both work in the research and development group. Um, you guys have, what, 20, I think you told me 26 or 27 people that work with you? Yep, that's right. We've got about 27 folks spread throughout the country that are dedicated to working with R&D tax credits. Okay, well, and and we, we're we doing a bunch of work with uh, with Dennis, but let's first find out a little bit about you. So, uh, guys, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and where you came from in your career and what you've done and um, any other things you'd like us to know. Yes, uh, on my end, I, I started my career uh, as an R&D tax credit specialist, and I've been doing this for almost 20 years. So I started with a large national firm for the first 14 years, and I have and I came over to I. Bailey about six years ago. I'm the partner in charge of our group, so I oversee that group of folks that uh, that work in this area. Okay, so, you, so you've been with I. for six, six years, and, and you oversee uh, everybody. Okay, Heidi, how about you? Yeah, so like you said, I'm a senior manager. I'm based here in Phoenix, and I'm actually an alumnus of Arizona State University. Go Devils! Go Devils! Um, I'm an attorney, and uh, I started out in tax compliance with a large firm, and then got interested in R&D, and I've been doing it for about nine years now. Okay, now you're not going to get mad at me, Heidi, if I tell you that (laughs) I'm an SC fan, and I came to Sun Devil Stadium with my best friend about 10 years ago. 
And we watched as SC was rated number one and Arizona went ahead 20 nothing at halftime. And the natives were really, really yelling and screaming at us in our SC hats. And I was sitting next to a lady, a very, very nice lady, probably in her 50s or 60s. And she was um, looking at us and we were right near the SC band and they play the song a lot. So she 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 says, "Excuse me, are, are you in, from USC?" And I'm wearing an SC hat and SC shirt. I said, "Yeah," and she says, "Can I ask you a question? Uh, do they ever stop playing that expletive deletive song?" And I said, "Nah, pretty much not." So, have you been to an SC uh, Arizona State game? Oh yes, we have season tickets. Oh, all right. I'm coming to Phoenix. Although right now it's what, about 180 degrees where you are. Right, exactly. Maybe there 190. Okay. <laughs> Well, all right. So we will still be friends, Heidi, even though you are with another team and we're not going to have any football this season, which is very sad, but that's the way it goes. Anyway, but we are going to save people money on tax credits. So let's start off, guys. Um, Let's start off with a 35,000 foot view of the R&D tax credit, kind of how it works, just kind of in, you know, layman's terms. What is it and how does it work? Sure. Um, and you did a great job of explaining the difference between a, a credit and a deduction. And that's really something we want to be clear about is that the credit really is a great um, you know, incentive that you can take on your tax return. It's dollar for dollar. Um, you know, it's been around for a while. Uh, Congress um, introduced it in 1981 and just for a couple of years. And then through the years and time, it's been extended again and again. And finally, in 2015, it was made permanent. So now we can definitely count on it that it's going to be there. Um, the federal credit can be applied to tax owed. Um, any unused portion can actually be carried forward for 20 years. And 20 then, years. Wow. That's yes. Great. Yes. And then um, also, if, if they don't have tax liability necessarily, if they qualify, there's a few parameters and things that we'd have to look at. They could possibly use it for uh, payroll tax, the employer's portion of payroll tax. Ooh. So that's something to think about as well. So, and also states offer their own credits. Sometimes those can be um, a little bit higher than federal. So something to yeah. keep in mind. Yeah. And, and, and a couple of things now, wasn't it a couple of years ago that, that it, it's no longer limited by the alternative minimum tax. Is that kind of what kind of opened this thing up? Yeah, that certainly was part of the law in 2015 that opened it up the payroll usage and then also the AMT issue. Yeah, so so we've talked about the AMT. The AMT guys was a, you know, it, it was it came into the law in 1969, and it was for 151 people that made over a million dollars a year and paid no taxes, and they basically said, well, we're not going to let you take all these uh, oil and gas deductions and all this stuff. Um, and the AMT, we're not going to get into the history of the AMT, but the AMT limited the ability for our doctors to take this. And once they opened this up, we started looking at this thing and now it's, 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 um, uh, it's available. And, and I know we did a, we did a joint case, uh, because again, once I found out that you guys had R and D credits, uh, that, that you did this, my eyes opened up because we have a, one of my, one of my biggest clients, uh, obviously we won't mention any names, uh, does a lot of this work. And, um, the California credit, we have a lot of listeners in California guys, the California credit was actually bigger than the federal credit. Yeah, many times it can be. Wow, it's really, really great. So, okay, so now now we can also uh, go back based on the statute of limitations, right, and, and go file amended returns. How does that work? Yeah, exactly. You're, you know, 
typically, you know, it's, it's best to get these tax credits on an original tax return on the original filing. But if you haven't been claiming the credit, you can certainly amend that. And the statute is typically three years. So if uh, the, the first time we're working with a dentist to claim the credit, uh, we would look at the current year and then potentially go back to those three prior years as well and amend. It, it certainly doesn't make sense in every scenario to amend. Um, you know, are there enough dollars to make the, the hassle and cost of amending worth it? Um, you know, the other thing that we kind of go into on the on the um, whether to amend or not to amend is, hey, you know, when we do amend it, there's a the IRS gets more involved in an amended return, right? A human gets involved in processing that. So the question is, do you really, you know, there's a potential. I don't know if I call it a red flag, but you know the IRS potentially can ask more questions, that sort of thing. So, the dentists we've worked with have kind of just been weighing that business decision of, hey, do I go back and grab those dollars from the prior years, or do we let those you know let sleeping dogs lie in the past and just do this prospectively? But we we've certainly seen different dentists, you know, either choose to do it prospectively or again go back go back and amend. So that that option's there. Yeah, and it it it's. It's like any other tax credit or deduction, folks. Is you know, um, th- there, there's there's risk in taking a tax deduction for a continuing education trip, but um, you know, it, it's um, uh, the law is there, and we're going to talk here in a second about what research and development is. But it's you know, they made the law, they made it pretty pretty broad, so you can go back. I mean, I I did with this case that we did. It was a big one. I think we ended up Heidi with like. Close to four hundred thousand dollars over four years in credits, something like that, federal that's, and state. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and when I told uh, the owners of the business, they just like they were very, very happy. So what I ended up having to do was, the federal statute of limitations is three years from the due date of the tax return, including extensions. So it was a it was a partnership, and I needed to get that done by March the fifteenth. And I think I got it in. I think I got it in around the tenth of March, and then we have the California. Uh, by the way, for you folks, the California statute of limitations is four years, not three. So you got an extra year for that. And um, so we're, we're, we're literally within a couple of days of getting that one in. And But it, it was some big numbers. So let, let's get into the conversation of, okay, what does research and development mean? I, I understand it's a pretty broad definition. How, what does that mean? Yeah, a lot of people, they hear the term research and development or R&D, and in their mind, you know, there's the you know, the pharmaceutical companies of the world and the high tech, and, and certainly those types of companies are claiming R&D credits, but it is much broader than that. You know, a lot of companies we work with, you know, we, we, we work with companies in all different industries, and, and there is a lot of technology, software development, um, engineering firms are claiming the credit, but a lot of just you know, kind of what I might call low tech, you know, manufacturing companies uh, are claiming the credit as well. So the the types of Companies that can claim the credit is is fairly broad, and the definition we you know, we have a generic definition of R um, and D, and one of the one of the things the IRS looks like, looks at when we claim the credit and the rules that are outlined in the tax code, kind of talk about this concept of and, and Art told me to stay out of the tax weeds, so I won't I won't use very much well, jargon you, you, here. You, but... you, you you can get into the first cut of rough. I'm a golfer, so. <laughs> You know, but uh, there's this concept of a business component, and you you can claim the R&D credit if you're developing either a new business component or improving an existing business component. So what can that be? Um, that can be a product, a process, a technique, a formula, an invention. So if 
any company. It doesn't have to be, you know, the the Lockheed Martins of the world. They're you know doing doing space research that sort of thing. It can be much 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 broader than that. But are are you developing a new product? Are you improving an existing process? Are you looking at a a different technique, a different type of material? Those are the kinds of things that that can potentially qualify at a high level. So let, let's. I want to touch on because te- we're going to get into the dental world here in a second. Technique and material. So a dentist um, basically learns a new way to do a full mouth reconstruction or to to do a crown prep or is using a new uh, and improved type of material. Even they don't have to develop that material. They could just be using a new material, which is different. Is is that the way it works, Joe? Yeah, that's that's certainly one way to look at it. The other, the other kind of angle that we're taking with a lot of these dentists is this whole concept of a product, right? Um, to the extent a dentist is involved with designing and depending on the equipment you have in, in-house, you know, building uh, a crown. A crown could be considered a product and that crown is going to be a little different for each of your patients, right? So designing a unique product, and, and I'm using product in quotes, right? But right. Uh, that type of of development and design can be very similar to what a machine shop might be doing for a part they're making for a a particular um, component. So I guess the the similarities in terms of both on the technique side, but also on the product side is kind of where we draw some parallels um, that, that can certainly kind of fit the, fit the mold. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to stop here because I want to give this information out a couple of times uh, during the podcast. So I want to let everybody know, and I've let everybody know in the last several podcasts that we've recorded that we have, uh, not, well, I, I, I helped a little bit, but Joe and Heidi and their team have created a questionnaire for the dental profession. And so if you're listening, wherever you are in the country, whether you're a client of Ide Bailey's or not, you can go ahead and go onto our website. And so I will put this in the show notes, but I'm going to mention the, the website. I want you to go to www.idebailey, that's spelled E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com slash forward slash dental R-D. So that's www.idebailey.com forward slash dental R-D. And what you will get is you'll end up on a web page and you will be able to fill out, as I understand it, Joe and Heidi, um, a, probably a 10-minute at the most questionnaire asking you some questions about your practice. And then you'll automatically be able to, as I understand it, um, one Mr. Wiederman is technologically impaired is what we call it. That's why I had children to help me with this. So I have been led to believe by the... Um, uh, by the powers that be in uh, at Ide Bailey that you will be able to fill this out, push a button that says send, and it will go right to uh, Joe and Heidi. Even if it, Joe, so it comes at like 2.30 in the morning, you're going to get up and read it and make sure, right? Absolutely. I'll have an alarm. That'll okay, you'll have the alarm. It'll go off every single time. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, if you want to do that, please do that. Please go ahead and go on to the website and we will... Um, take a look and see, and, you know, we'll be real honest with you. This, you know, we'll, we'll talk with you and see if, uh, if we can help you here. So, uh, and I'll mention this a couple more times to be on the show notes. So, so we talked about research and development. So let's get into some of, well, let's get into the weeds, not the tax weeds, but the dental weeds. So we know that dentists do crowns and bridges and inlays and onlays and composite restorations and all these things. So who does this credit apply to? 
uh, Joe and Heidi, is it, you know, we, we have general dentists, we have specialists. Um, what, who would be the best, um, you know, who's going to have the best shot of uh, qualifying for this credit? Yeah, great question. Um, really, it can be either a specialist or more of a general general dentist. Um, w- one thing we look at um, is just the complexity of the procedures you're working on. So if you look at a, maybe a, a purely pediatric practice that's doing a whole lot of cleanings, a whole lot of fillings, maybe some sealants, that sort of thing, probably not a lot, not, not a lot of those procedures are going to rise to the level of R&D under the tax code. Um, but we've talked to several general general practices that you know do a whole lot of crowns, a whole lot of bridges. And again, I kind of talked earlier about you know in terms of designing. There's there's some complexities in that. There's uh, one of the again I'm going to use some some tax terms here, but you know there has to be some design uncertainty and some experimentation as you're designing a crown, for example. And, you know, the way that the tax regulations define experimentation is do you have a process set up to evaluate one or more alternatives? So if you've got, if you're in, in your practice looking at the design of a particular crown, considering several ways to do that, maybe you have an in-house, you know, milling machine, uh, run it through that as a prototype or in, and, and do some modifications, maybe some additional grinding. You, you kind of go through that experimentation and design process. That's the kind of thing that that can meet the definition of R and D. Um, but again, we I would say um, the the more routine stuff where there isn't really any design uncertainty, where you're not really making a product like we talked about earlier, those are the ones we we typically stay away from. So so if I got a dentist out there and they're listening to this and they're going, okay, well, you know, I'm not really sure. But yeah, I, I play with different things and I design some crowns differently. Should they be like maybe taking some notes? Let's say they're doing a, you know, they're trying something new. They went to a CE course. And that's another thing, folks, is you you, you go to a CE course, you, you go to COIS, you go to SPEAR, you go to Panky. Uh, these are the, the national continuing education um, providers that uh, there are many, but uh, these are these are some of the premier ones. And, and you learned a new technique um, uh, for, um, for, re- for restorations and you're trying it out. I mean, that, that would be a great opportunity, wouldn't it be? Yeah, that would certainly be on the list of things to, to consider for this credit for sure. Yeah. So if you've taken CE courses in the last one to two years and you've tried to do some things now, what, what if I've got a dentist who's, um, uh, they've been doing it for a while, but, um, I mean, well, maybe maybe that leads us into the next question as to what kind of costs are included. So uh, from the way I understand this credit, it's, it's based on the amount of time a dentist spends and the team um, and the research and development. So so what what's the driver of this credit as far as the costs and uh, in, in this? Yeah, sure. Wages really are the primary driver. Uh, what we do is when we when we start talking to you about the types of things that you're doing, um, determining if they're qualified or not. We want to get a sense of how much time you are spending on these activities. And we're able to develop a formula where we can see, okay, how much time are you spending on qualified activities? How much time do you spend in your practice in general? And we come up with a percentage of time. And that percentage is applied to uh, taxable wages. And that's how we come up with the cost that can be claimed as part of the credit. 
Okay, so Heidi, so I have a, a and again, we can go back to the one we just did is is uh, that particular practice has about I think close to 30 employees. So, um the the dental practice would have to identify, I mean, let's talk about the 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 team players. You've got the doctor, you've you, um the front office administrator who's billing insurance, making appointments, doing financial arrangements. Are they're not really involved in this, are they or or are they? So when we're looking at what we call direct support roles um, for R&D, we're looking really at like, do they have in-house lab technicians? Do they have maybe some chair sides or some hygienists who are helping them in that design solution, identifying alternatives kind of process? Uh, Those are the types of things. So if someone's participating in more of administrative duties, um, that, that is not really part of the technical process of R&D. So it's probably going to be a dental assistant um, and a doctor, I would think, maybe to some extent um, a hygienist, possibly, uh, a a dental associate, a treatment coordinator who's involved in some of the planning of some of the cases and things like that. Um, so, So for example, Heidi, if I have, I mean, let's say I have a doctor who's doing you know, two million dollars a year in revenues. Uh, the staff costs usually run. The team costs usually run somewhere around thirty percent. So they have like six hundred thousand dollars. So you're going to look at all of this, right? So we paid six hundred thousand in taxable wages. You're going to look at this and you're going to go through an analysis and you might say, okay, one hundred and fifty thousand of this, based on my analysis and discussion with the doctor is um could could qualify something like that right right yeah really interviewing the dentist figuring out what they're doing and who's doing what yeah exactly so 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 the wages are going to come in and it's a percentage of the time that each provider in the practice um spends in what is deemed to be the r d activity so what other costs can we look at here sure so there's a couple of others uh one of the ones that we see often in this industry is supplies. Um, if you are doing some sort of new product or process or technique, if there's anything tangible that you're using, any sort of, you know, if you're looking at alternative materials, uh, if you're using them as a quote unquote prototype or something of that nature, they're being used up in the process. Those supplies could possibly um, be qualified as well as if you're hiring anyone, any someone like a third party who's doing testing, something that an employee would be doing for you, except they're not your employee, they're a contractor. Uh, so those are the the big top ones that we also look at. Okay. So how, let, let, let's go back to 35,000 feet. Um, uh, how do we, how do we compute this credit? How does it, how does it work? It, one important concept in terms of how the credit's computed is it's an incremental credit. And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, you can't just look at a single year in a vacuum. So if we're going to compute a credit for 2020, the IRS require, the tax code requires that we do a base amount computation and compare the current year spend to that base amount. And again, I won't bore you with all the tax details and the mechanics of how that works. But if we're going to look at the credit for 2020, even if we don't go back and amend, like we talked about earlier, we still need to go back and, and determine what that base amount is. Typically, that involves looking at least at the three prior years. So the first time you claim the credit, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's a little bit of a hassle, right? You've got to look at multiple years together. You've got to go back and 
put on your thinking cap to remember what you did four years ago, that sort of thing. Luckily, dentists have good records of the procedures they did and everything, so we don't have to, you know, come up with things out of thin air, but it's still a little bit of a digging through records and wage data and that sort of thing. Um, and then we'll gather the, the, the cost that Heidi was talking about, the wage costs and the, any supplies that we can potentially include. At the end of the day, again, kind of cutting through all the mechanics of the calculation, the actual credit amount is typically for the federal is usually between six and eight cents on the dollar. So if we did, if we did, we did this for a dentist, identified a couple hundred thousand dollars of costs, the actual tax credit, you still get your deductions, right? We're not, we're not taking those away, but your de- your credit on top of your deductions would be typically about $15,000 what we find if, you, if we have a couple hundred thousand of costs. And then again, if you're, if you're in a state that offers a state credit, um, we would layer that on as well. And, and the, the, most of the states have similar incremental credit calculations that I kind of talked through a minute ago. So, so I could end up if, if I had, uh, you know, l- let's just say I had, I could find $300,000 in costs and that would be between dental team members. We get to include the payroll taxes in that too, right? It's just taxable wages. So oh, just the wages. Right. Okay. Yep. And then, um, and then, you know, lab supplies and, 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 and other costs that we might be able to include in here. Um, you know, so that's $18,000 for a federal credit, and that, that could be the same for a state credit. Is your experience that the state credits, I, I say, I know California seems to be higher, and you even get on top of that, if you're an S-corporation, you get a you get a credit at the S-corporation level, and you get a credit at the personal level, which is really, really cool. Um, but you could be looking for, if, if I could find $300,000 of costs, we could be looking at twenty-five, thirty $30,000 a year, maybe? Yeah, that's certainly a scenario we've seen, and and the state credits do vary pretty widely. Uh, California has to happens to have one of the more beneficial credits. My home state of Utah, similar, very beneficial credit. Arizona, we're 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 all representing the the states that have some of the most beneficial credits on the podcast today. Some other case, some other states like uh, you know we do a lot of work in Idaho, for example. There, there's a state credit. It's usually about half of what the federal credit is. So. Again, it's just gonna gonna vary state by state. But the other it's thing still I want to save money. I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 a lot. And and so, and if you go back and you amend two or three years, you could be looking at forty, fifty, sixty thousand. And again, you know, let's be clear, Joe, because you and I talked about this beforehand. Um, this is not for every dentist, so we want to be really clear about that. That you know, like you say, if you have a a very bread and butter practice, maybe, a, I, I don't think a pedo practice would probably be a can't, pediatric dental handles children uh, would have a lot, unless there's some innovation that you can show us. Um, but a prosthodontist who, who's doing all kinds of complex care and treatment and things like that, they might be a better candidate, right? Exactly. And, and, and just like with everything, there's a cost benefit here. Almost every dentist that we've talked to has some level of R&D activities. It's just a matter of, you know, we, we don't want to stress too much how difficult this is because we can make it fairly easy. But still, you're going to have some effort to gather some data for us. You know, we don't work for free, so we're going to want to get paid. And, and you know, if, if we do a whole bunch of work and there's only, you know, $30,000 of cost, it's just not going to be enough. I mean, the, the, the cost of your time and our time to go and get that credit 
is not going to be there. So that's why we, that's why we have the questionnaire that we talked about earlier. So we can tell, in a, and hopefully in a very short amount of time, of hey, is there, is there something here to go after, or is it just not going to? Is the fact pattern not going to be favorable? Okay, so both both of you guys, how how do we get? How do if a dentist just wants to call you and say, hey, I want to talk about this, what'd be the best way to get a hold of the two of you? So we have the landing page you talked about earlier, Art, and, right. and really there's a couple of ways, but um, certainly starting with that questionnaire that we've developed is going to be give us the information we need to do that initial kind of feasibility. Um, certainly they could contact us directly as well. There's no problem with that. So um, my email address is jj, so two j's, Stoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D, at idbailey.com. And Heidi, what's your email address? Yes, it's H-L-A-N as in November, I-N, at idbailey.com. Okay. And again, one more time, www.idbailey.com forward slash dental RD. That's where you can find the questionnaire, fill it out. We'll, it'll automatically push the send button. It'll go to Joe and Heidi's team and they'll get back to you. So, all right, let's get into the process. How does this work? How does this, what do you do? What are the steps to do an R&D study? Yeah, so again, the questionnaire, we'll, we'll keep talking about the questionnaire because we think it's a really good way to, to, to figure out if this is feasible without spending a lot of time on your end or our end. But let's say that we do the questionnaire and you do a lot of crowns and more complex cases and it's going to be enough to go after. Um, from there, we do what we call a phase, it's a phased approach. So phase one is we'll gather some additional information, some of your payroll data, um, some of the other costs Heidi talked about. We'll have an initial probably 60-minute discussion to understand a little bit more about your back pattern and your practice. At the end of phase one, we'll have a very good idea of the amount of credit. And it won't be an exact fileable number, but it'll be a good estimate of how much federal and state credit. And then phase two is the once we know how much credit there is, the work that's going to be required to go and, and, and get the credit. Phase two is the detailed work to finalize all the numbers and then do the substantiation piece, right? Um, and, and put together a report. The reason we do this phased approach is, you know, if it's a ver- it's a fairly modest amount of credit, the, 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 the amount of time and effort on the substantiation piece can be fairly modest, right? If it's a great big credit, you're going to want to have more documentation, more substantiation, more work goes into it. So we do this phased approach just to make sure the whole cost benefit is in line and we don't Instead of diving in head first, you kind of wade into the process. Okay. So, the, again, best way is just go fill out the questionnaire. Now, uh, quick, quickly, I want to touch on IRS. So, you mentioned earlier that they're, they're, they they tend to scrutinize this kind of thing. Um, but, um, you know, and you said it might raise a red flag. Um, but, again, obviously, if you if a reputable firm like I Bailey is doing this, this calculation, you've got work papers to back all of this up. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, this is a very legitimate tax credit that's taken all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. This credit's been around for a long time. It's, it's, it's tried and true. However, I mean, again, on the other side of this, it's a credit, right? The IRS, you know, when they, when you have a, a credit like this, um, and it's, especially if it's a substantial amount of, of, of savings, um, that they're going to want to dig in. Um, 
we kind of alluded to this earlier. There were some reasons that dentists weren't claiming the credit, you know, 10, 15 years ago. A lot of it had to do with the AMT limitation. There's been some other things that Congress has done or, or Treasury to, to loosen up some of the regulations around this. So one unfortunate thing is since really dentists started getting heavily into the R&D credit a few years ago, we just don't have that case law, right? We don't have a court case that says, hey, and most dental practices are fairly small. There's not enough dollars to go litigate, right? So it's very unlikely we would get a, a court case that would lay out the facts. Um, that, so it's, it's certainly a gray area. Um, we, there's a lot of subjectivity kind of built into the definition of qualified research. Um, so uh, I guess my, my point here is um, because of that subjectivity, because a reasonable person could look at a certain type of activity or procedure and argue that, hey, that meets the definition or does not meet the definition. There, there's that potential um, if you're audited. So um, again, we don't want to sugarcoat this and just say hey, it's all going to be good and, and a guaranteed result, that type of thing. There, there's a little bit of gray in the law. And therefore, if this is audited, um, certain auditors um, would be a little bit more aggressive in, in trying to disallow it. So we just want like to be very upfront and, and, and to Art's point, the reason we do the study, we do the, the documentation, is so that you're ready for for the, that scrutiny if it does come. Um, but we just want to be very upfront that the IRS may may push back. And, and with that said, guys, here's the deal. They are the ones that made this credit, the, 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 the code and the regulations liberal, right? I mean, we, you know, if they would have put in specific things that you can't, you have to do A, B, C, D, E, and F. That would be one thing, but they they didn't. They they the law is maybe by intent, maybe by design. It is is I'm not going to say ambiguous, but it's 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 it it gives a lot of latitude. They made the law, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously Congress makes the law, and, and there's the old saying, right? What Congress giveth, the IRS taketh away, right? Yeah, so right. There, there's definitely some of that going on here. But to your point, Art, the 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 regulations come from the Treasury Department, right? The same. Same same folks that the IRS works for, um, so, and and obviously the states, you know, have different attitudes ar around around these sorts of things as well. So you're you're right. Um, there is a lot of wiggle room with the law, um, and and that's that can be a good thing and a bad thing. People always ask me, you know, what type of documentation do we have to keep for this? And I, I always kind of jokingly say, well. This is both the good news and the bad news, but there's no specific documentation requirement. Kind of like you were saying, Art, there, there's nothing, there's no roadmap to say, hey, you must keep this type of record in this format in order to claim the credit. That's that's good news because you're given reasonable flexibility to use the records you have to to document and calculate the credit. It's bad news because you don't you don't have that guide, right? Um, and and we've certainly run into auditors that want to see records in a certain way and and can be very difficult to deal with, and that's certainly not. The, the case every time, but we all, again, um, there's, there's some potential, right. For having to kind of fight that fight down the road. Yeah. I want to, I want to get through a couple more points because as usual, this time flies by. So what, what, let's go through some of your questions on this questionnaire. I mean, maybe talk about specialists like oral surgeons, periodontists who place implants, do specialty work. What are some of these questions that the doctors should be thinking about when they, uh, when they're getting ready to maybe fill out the questionnaire? Yeah, it's, and there's some general questions about your practice, right? Just um, type of entity, um, annual revenue for the practice, how many how many folks do you have on staff, what the the general wages, and what we're trying to kind of gauge there is is there enough volume of of 
wages you're paying, enough volume of procedures you're doing. Again, some of those specialist areas can can certainly help drive um, some of the potential for benefit. We also want to get a, we don't have to have an exact number, but just your procedure counts, right? How many crowns do you do in a typical year, for example? So we have a whole kind of section asking to list the, the estimate of number of crowns. We also ask around, and I'm, getting, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but just okay. what do you do for lab work, right? Do you, do you have an in-house theric machine? Some of the practices we've dealt with have a full-blown lab, right? They've just, instead of going to a third party, that can be a good fact pattern. Um what are some of the other technology you're using in your practice? That sort of thing. So those are the types of questions that, that are outlined in the questionnaire. Okay. And you, you had mentioned uh, CAD CAM and all that stuff, that that's going to give us a better chance because then you're designing a crown. You are the one that's making changes and playing with the uh, margins and occlusion and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that, you know, CAD CAM machine doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the credit, but certainly gives you a better shot at it, right? Exactly. Yep. That's what okay. we find. So Heidi, we, we did, and I want to go back to our, our client that we took care of. So this was a large prosthodontic practice, um, and, and they were kind of the exception rather than the rule. And like we mentioned earlier, this is no joke. We got them over a four-year period, about $400,000 in tax rates. So why don't you talk a little bit about this case and what was unique about it? And, and, and maybe some th- this might elicit some thoughts from our listeners say, oh, well, I do that. Yeah, sure. Uh, This was a large practice of three dentists, and a lot of patients come to them for restorative care from some sort of trauma or some sort of situation that created um, a problem with their mouth. So this group had um, an in-house lab with several assistants. They had a lot of employees. I want to say a couple dozen. And so we were able to analyze what they do. And what they were doing is they would take um, take in a client, do x-rays, do some sort of, you know, testing, consultation, all that. Then they would collaborate. The dentist would go back and talk in a team with their hygienists and their assistants and their lab techs and say, okay, this is what we see. What types of devices, what types of, you know, materials and, and things are we going to be putting together in order to achieve the the results. And that's that iterative process that we've been um, talking about through this whole entire podcast is there has to be some sort of identification of, well, could we try this? We're uncertain that if we try that, we'll get the result that we want. Um, So they were really involved in the design process using their CAD CAM uh, machine and uh, different materials, the layering of multiple materials, different adhesives, um, combining multiple attachment systems, a lot of that, in, including your, you know, crowns and, and bridges and things like that. But a very unique practice in the sense that they do a lot of complex cases. So that was the one that you're referring to. That we were we we're actually able to get federal and state credits north of four hundred and fifty thousand for them over a yeah. four year period of time. Yeah, and it was really fun sending those tax returns out. There. Oh, here comes your first one. This is about ninety thousand. It was really fun. Uh-huh. Um, so now, Heidi, you might have. I think you have another, maybe another case study of maybe a a, a smaller general practice where you you might have uh, uh, been able to get a doctor some credits. If I'm if I remember our conversation. Yeah, and this is what we what we see a lot is you know you've got two dentists, a handful of hygienists and chair sides, and they're they purchased some you know that CAD CAM machine or you know mill and printing crowns and bridges in house, and so this particular practice 
did about 300 crowns and 300 bridges a year. And so we analyzed their time, looked at it and, and thought, okay, you know, what are we going to include? And we were able to actually calculate about for federal and state just for one year, about 30, 30 grand. 30,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now here's the cool thing about this guys. This is not just a one-time deal. I mean, we can get this credit every year. Is that correct? Uh, until they change the law? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. So, so this is like a. I have, <laughs> I have a friend of mine. He's a, he's my golfing buddy, and he's a labor attorney, and um, I, I, he, he's got a couple of clients that just every week when we go out golfing, he'll tell me this story and that story, and I, and I said to him, I said, um, I said, so now, counselor, um, this is this. I have a new word for you. It's called annuity. Well, this is an annuity to you guys, doctors out there. This could be assuming that you are practicing and you, as long as you're doing the same types of practice, uh, this could be an annuity to you. Now, 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 so Heidi and Joe, I want to ask you this. So the idea is it has to be innovative and, and, and new and new procedures. So if a doctor is continuing to do what they're doing year in and year out, can we claim year in and year out new procedures? How do you, how do you look from one year to the next, to the next, to the next, uh, and, and do you get to the point where you say, well, okay, you, you've done all your new procedures and you're not qualified anymore, or does that ever happen? It, it certainly can happen, but we can also look at it, you know, year in, year out. And and one thing we talked about earlier is, you know, well, well first off, a couple of thoughts. Uh, it, for most of the, whether it's a dentist or a manufacturing company or whatever, if you're kind of in that mode of innovation, you, you, you never stop innovating, right? You're always, there's always a different type of technique or material and you're going to, we, we, we typically see this, this kind of process of continuous improvement. But the other, the other angle here is what we talked about earlier of every case is unique, right? Every patient's needs are a little bit unique. So if you're, if you're, if you're kind of, your practice is coming up with some of those unique solutions, um, you know, what you did this year, you can't just cut and paste and do the exact same thing next year for a different patient or a different scenario. So there's, there's really a couple, couple, again, not, not to guarantee you're going to take it every year, but it's not unusual to see a dental practice that's able to claim this credit year in and year out. So, so let's talk about what the dentist can do to plan in their documentation um, as to how they can get this credit. In other words, a, a dentist says, I've been to all these courses, I've changed the way I'm doing things, but obviously I don't know how the credit works. What kind of documentation should a dentist who's listening to this podcast kind of be writing down? Should it be taking notes like, okay, uh, this is how I did procedure A and now I'm doing it this way? Or or what, what, what can we give some pearls here as far as what they should be thinking about? Obviously, uh, you know, if, if you have any concept that you might qualify for this credit, fill out the questionnaire and, uh, uh, and we'll take a look at it. But what, what, what kind of documentation or any changes maybe they could make in their practice that might make them better qualified for this credit? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take a shot at this one. So um, really, we're not, you know, probably asking you to do a whole bunch of extra work, but you, you, you know, you've already got records of the procedures that you're doing and the different case files, that sort of thing. So there's really two types of things that we would like to see probably better documented. One would be, to Art's point, if you're trying out a new type of procedure, a new technique, a new material, just jot that down in the file, right? That, hey, we tried, you know, we're trying this um, this new procedure or um, hey, there's something if there's something unique about a particular case of, hey, you know, we're, we need to do an implant, but there, you know, we, this is not a, this is not a, 
cut and dry procedure, right? There, we have to do a, a bone graft or something, and not sure the best way to do this. That those sorts of kind of thought process types of things would be would be helpful to have documented. Um, and then from a on the so that's more on the activity side. From a costing standpoint, um, we, we most of the dentists we talk to have a pretty good idea of hey, if, if I'm involved in designing and and creating a crown. That's going to be 1.5 hours of dentist time or whatever. Um, so it's, it's good to, if you don't have kind of a, a good handle on how much time certain procedures are taking you, it would be good to start to track that and, and, and be able to, that way if we identify hey, th- this group of procedures and, and things you're working on qualifies, um, we kind of have a, a blueprint for um, computing the qualified wage expenses that Heidi talked about earlier. I mean, you you might even consider in looking at your professional continuing education doctors is, you know, you're going to take the courses that you, you know, you need to take. You're going to take your uh, Dental Practices Act courses and you're going to take whatever's required. But you might consider looking at courses that involve new and innovative procedures. So, uh, Joan, Heidi, what if we what if we start doing um, sleep apnea procedures? Dentists make mouth um, mouth mouthpieces um, for uh, people who, I, I are one, I have sleep apnea, I happen to sleep with a CPAP machine, but you can put in a, a, a device, um, would that be considered a new procedure in an office? Something like that, maybe? Yeah, so, um, sorry, I was, I was going to, I've been hogging the mic, so I was going to see if Heidi wanted <laughs> to jump in there, but uh, go ahead. Uh, and again, it's, and she's in Arizona State, yeah. then don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> you, hear me, you know, the reason I'm waffling a little bit, because every procedure is going to be a little bit unique, right? So, right. Um, but yeah, that, that would certainly be on the list of things we would want, because if there's a design of a device and, and a scan that needs to be made and something that's that kind of unique is built for that particular patient or that case, that would be kind of on the list of things to consider. And then doctors that use lasers. Um, I had one doctor who told me that uh, he can do a ginger, what's called a gingivectomy uh, in about a minute and a half and charge, you know, $120 for it. I mean, that's a new procedure. So anything that you're doing, anything that, that our that our, our listeners are doing, Joe and Heidi, that that's new, improved, uh, requires a different modality than what they've been doing before, th- this could do it. And, and, you know, you know, $15,000, $20,000 is fifteen dollars to $20,000. That could fund Folks, that could fund a you know maybe a third of your retirement plan. Uh, that could give you some uh, some some extra money in your pocket during some of these difficult times that we have and stuff. So this is real. This is something that you should all be looking at, um, and and just get get creative. Use your you know the great thing about dentists, Joe and Heidi, is that they are you know they're, they're we have a lot of entrepreneurial doctors, but they're very creative. You go into dentistry because you want to create, you want to be innovative, you want to make a, a beautiful restoration or, a, a, you know, change lives and stuff. And there's just a lot of things that I think that they do, the more and more I've been talking to you guys, that, that might qualify. But again, not for everybody. I want to be real clear. We might come back to you and say, nah, not feeling the love here, but you've done, you've looked at these and you've done a lot of these and... Um, this is real money and real credits and, um, uh, right. So, you know, anyway, so we're about, a, about at the time we're going to wrap this up. So let me get to both of you some, some final thoughts, maybe some, you know, 
one or two pieces of advice to the doctors as to what they should be doing. And we'll give out the information one more time on the, uh, on the uh, questionnaire, but um, you know, any, any final thoughts from you guys? I guess I'll start, you know, as, as you, as we've, as we've talked through some of the things that could qualify, I would say just while it's fresh, jot down um, what kind of what your thoughts, your areas, your practices involved with that could potentially qualify. That way, when you get the questionnaire and fill it out, um, you'll, you'll be able to, to document that for us and, and figure out if there's a way to benefit. And again, Art, Art said it's a couple of times. It certainly doesn't benefit every dentist, but it's probably worth 10 or 15 minutes of your time to, to figure out, hey, is this, is this worth going after? Because it can, it can, it can be a, a real, real tax savings. Yeah, and I uh, echo what Joe says, too, as far as, you know, the IRS really does look at the process of experimentation, just a fancy way of saying what different alternatives are you looking at? Um, so if you can identify one or more, Again, jot them down. That's that's very important. But that process of experimentation is really important to be able to show the IRS that you're trying different things. Well, I tell you what, you guys have, have really brought this to a, a level that that I, if you can bring it to a level that I understand, that's always a good thing because um, I'm not one of the, the brightest. <laughs> oh, you're in USC. Grad, uh, so. right. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's a, there was a there was a thing that out, that was out there, Heidi. It was called the USC athletic department entrance exam. And I lost it. I can't find it. But I remember the first page of it. I opened the first page. Now, this again, we have a lot of clients who are SC clients. I'm a huge SC fan. I apologize. I'm probably going to lose half my practice from this right now. And I'm going to get some emails, some nasty emails from my, my SC people. But I am a, a huge SC fan. But this could be any college. I actually saw one that was also uh, you know, Florida, I think it was. So page one, it was a picture of a mouse and a picture of an elephant that said, circle the one that's bigger. So, you know, they, they, they pick on the athletes all the time. Anyway, listen, you guys have, have done a great job of, of, of laying this out for our listeners. Really appreciate it very much. One more time, give out your contact information and I'll give out the website and then we'll wrap this thing up. So the best way to reach me is my email, jjstoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D at idbailey.com. And you can reach me at my email of hlannon, that's H-L-A-N-I-N, at idbailey.com. And again, if, if, if you would like to participate, and I mean, there's no cost to you, we'll take a look at this for free uh, to see if you qualify. Um, go to our website at www.idbailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com forward slash dental R-D. You will find the questionnaire, fill out the questionnaire with whatever information they're asking for. Obviously, everything that you send to us is confidential and uh, just push the send button and we'll, uh, uh, Heidi and Joe and their team will take a look at it and one way or another, you'll get back to them, right? Absolutely. Yep. Well, guys, thank you so much for your, for your time and your expertise. I mean, this is a, this is, this is one of the great things about our firm that, that we do and, um, uh, the fact that we have this capability of doing this and helping hopefully lots of dentists run up the federal deficit, as I said earlier, is a, is a pleasure. Let me give you out our, my information one more time. Uh, my phone number in uh, Southern California, 657-279-3243 uh, or Wiederman at gmail.com. Uh, Look on Decision in Dentistry's website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. 
again, you know, fantastic clinical content, fantastic continuing education courses, cutting edge stuff. Uh, I mean, I look at it every month and there's always great new articles. Um, go to our website, www.idbailey.com. Uh, we have a dental page uh, that, that's bringing all the, the newest updates. Um, I write some of it. Some of the other folks write some of it. I know that uh, I think Joe and Heidi, I think, didn't you guys put an article out on our um, webpage uh, recently or a, a, on mm-hmm. this? Yeah, we did. So, so there's something there. And then again, if you're looking for a dental specific CPA anywhere in the U.S., uh, www.adcpa.org. Um, is where you want to go. Go to the members link and look up the state and there they are. There we are. So anyway, uh, Heidi Lennon, Joe Stoddard, great information. Thank you so much for taking your valuable time today to to talk and hopefully we can get some dentists, uh, save some dentists some money, uh, maybe in time for a holiday. It's been a very, very challenging year for all of us. This might be a nice little something, pay for some uh, holiday presents or something, we hope. So thanks a lot for your help, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, Art. That's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, and that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Send them uh, the link. Um, if you you know, just tell them they can go on to uh, uh, Apple or their Android and they go to their podcast app and just put in Art of Dental Finance and Management and you'll find it. You can subscribe to the podcast every week. Uh, Listen to it. We've got a lot of great guests. As I mentioned, um, we are now in the 90s as far as how many episodes we've done. Uh, I am working on a very big surprise episode for episode number 100. And uh, I do not have it confirmed yet. But if I do, I will let you know in advance so you can listen. And like I say, that's uh, please tell your friends and remember my five-word adage for 2020. Failure is not an option. Work on your practice. Work with a consultant. You know, have empathy towards your patients. Uh, We're all in this together. We are all going to get through this. And God bless every single one of you. And thank you so much. And bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.